Hello and welcome back to Turning Point Sermons. My name is Cameron Howell um, and we did not forget about you. Uh, our last sermon that was posted was in May um, and I'm aware of the last couple of months we have been going through some things and God's been working on me a lot and uh, uh, a time of renewal in my life that I'm thankful for. Um, and so if you get a second and you want to stop and pray for me, I'd sure appreciate that. Um, nothing bad, all good things, but um, Lord's been working on me and so I'm, I'm glad for what he's doing. Um, of course, that means, however, that Turning Point Sermons has taken a little bit of a hit as far as uh, much of my time has been uh, focused on my own personal study and things like that. And so the good news is today I'll be posting four sermons from Pastor Kurt Skelly. He just preached a young adult conference out at Grandview Baptist Church here in Beaver Creek, Oregon. And uh, we're thankful for what he did and for the help that he was to us. And I'm, I'm confident that these sermons are going to be a help to you. Um, the bad news is that it does not look like I'll be posting regularly for the time being. Um, we are by no means canceling Turning Point sermons or anything, so if you have been a longtime listener, I hope you'll tune in to the other uh, 160 or so sermons that we've already posted uh, and, and continue to go back to that well, and I promise those will be a blessing to you. Uh, thank you for your patience. I sure appreciate you, and I hope that these sermons are a blessing to you. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, I, I love the Lord. I really, I love people. And I love, we, we call our, our singles group, we used to call it singles, college career, because everyone said, don't call it singles. That sounds like, that sounds like a death sentence, you know? Um, so now I just call them 20-somethings. And, and some of them are, you know, not quite 20, and some of them are a little bit beyond 30, but I call them 20-somethings. That's just what I do. So thanks for coming and being a part of this, uh, this get-together, this uh, conference, whatever we're calling it. Uh, you made the right choice, and we're going to have a good time together. Uh, Matthew chapter 21 in your Bible, we don't have a ton of time because tacos are calling. Uh, but I want to get us started by giving you a really simple thought from a very short passage of scripture, and it's found in Matthew 21, Matthew 21. So find your place, and then keep your Bible open. We're going to read four verses together, verses 28 through 32. Actually, I guess five verses, but beginning at verse 28. Now understand this. This is a passage of scripture that shares four parables. So we all know what a parable is. It's a short story with one big truth uh, where Jesus takes something common, common story, and relates it to a spiritual truth so we can understand it better. Now understand that Jesus is speaking to some very religious people. People, watch this, people that have a lot up here. They got a lot of facts, a lot of figures. Uh, some of them are, are, they've committed a lot of scripture to memory. So he's not talking to dumb people, and he's not talking to spiritually illiterate people, but he is talking to people that, that aren't saved. The religious leaders that are hearing this story are not saved. Now, I understand that most of you tonight, maybe not all, but most of you tonight would say, I know Christ. I, I know that because of the way that you sang. So I, I would assume that everybody, if, if not almost everybody in this room, knows Christ. But Jesus was speaking to a group, maybe this size, maybe bigger, that did not know him, did not claim that he was the Messiah. And yet he had something very important to tell them. And I think the application is, is, is good for all of us. So watch what he says. Matthew chapter 21, this is the last week of his life. By the end of the week, he'll be hanging on a cross. This is the last week of his life. And watch what he says in verse number 28. 
So Matthew 21, verse number 28, where he says this, but, but what think ye? Well, what think ye? So oftentimes when Jesus would preach, he would ask a question. Like, I, I want to know, like, sincerely, what do you think about this? So tonight, I'm speaking, and, and presumably you're listening. That's typically the way sermons work nowadays, right? But uh, that's not the way sermons worked back in Bible days. So back in Bible days, if I were to preach, uh, I would be sitting down right now. Well, I wish we could go back to Bible days, okay? I'd be sitting down right now because in, in the synagogue, and now Jesus is preaching in, in the open uh, temple right now, so they're all standing. But in the synagogue, typically when someone would give the lesson, they would be seated. They would read the scripture and then s- sit down. Also, in, in synagogue worship, it not only would you sit down, you would have interaction. So a sermon in Bible days was a give and take. Remember when Joseph and Mary went to find Jesus at age 12? He was both asking and receiving questions. So it's very common in Bible days for a sermon to talk and get questions back and forth, interactive. So here in Matthew 28, Jesus is teaching this great parable. He says, hey, I want to know what you think. I'm going to tell you a story, and I want to know what you think. And so I'm going to say the same thing to you. Okay, I'm going to tell you this story, and I want to know what you think. What, what do you think about this? Give me an answer in just a bit. So, so I'll read it. You tell me what you think. Okay, look at verse number 28 again. So he says, what think ye, verse number 28, a certain man. See that? Verse 28, a certain man had two sons. Very common for Jesus to use illustrations with a father and a son. And how many of us would agree that Jesus probably knew a little bit about fathers and sons? And so uh, Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus gave that famous story about a father that had a prodigal son, and that prodigal son had an elder brother. So a father and two sons. So here, a father had two sons. Now watch verse 28, 28 again. So he came to the first son, came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. Simple. Son, go work today in my vineyard. Not hard to understand. Verse number 29, he answered, the son did, and said, I will not. But think about that. A father comes to a son. Son, go work today in my vineyard. And the son looks right at his dad and says, I will not. How many of you had a, 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 a dad in the home? Okay, just, you had a dad in the home growing up. I did not, okay, dad in the home, okay? How many of you, your dad in the home, if you, as a 16-year-old boy, or as a 14-year-old boy, if your dad said to you, son, go clean your room, and you said to your dad, dad, I will not, how many would not be here today, okay? (laughs) We'd be visiting your graveside, okay, right? So this is audacious, that this father said, Uh, son, go work today in my vineyard, and the son had the audacity to say, I will not. Now now watch what it goes on to say. Verse number 28, 29 rather, I will not, but afterward. That's my favorite word in the whole parable, afterward. But afterward, he repented, which means he had a legitimate change of heart and mind. And how do I know it's legitimate? Because watch what it says. Afterward, he repented and went Because true repentance will manifest itself in action, right? So he repented and went. So, wow. So here's the son, was very rebellious to his dad, thought about it, and then went out and worked. Now watch son number two, verse number 20, verse number 30. 
And he, that's the dad, he came to the second and said, likewise, which means he said the exact same thing. Do you know that uh, Jesus says the exact same thing to you tonight? It's not that God has one will generally for you and one will for me. No, God's will is that all of us serve him. God's will is that all of us work in his vineyard. God's will is that all, all of us are obedient. So when he came to the first son, he said the second thing, to the, saying the same thing to, to the second son. So, son, go work today in my vineyard. Now watch the second son, verse number 30. And he answered and said, I go, sir. What, what a statement. I go, sir. So when my children were small, I mean, right now they're 32, 30, 28, 26. That's their ages right now. But when they were 10, 8, 6, and 4, okay, we would uh, expect them to say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and to authority. And, and they learned how to do that really well. Now, did they all, always mean it? <laughs> no. But we taught them how to be respectful. So this son obviously had learned that lesson. This son obviously knew the right words to say. As often we do. As often we do. We often know the right words to say. We often, like actors on a stage, know the right lines to repeat. We often do. So I go, sir. It sounds really good. But watch what happens. I go, sir, verse number 30, and went not. I go, sir, but then he, he went not. So watch it now, because I asked you at the beginning of the message, what do you think? So we just read the passage. You've probably read it before. What do you think? Well, watch what Jesus asks in verse number 31. Whether of them twain. So we would say today, which of these two? Right, which of these two? Whether of them twain did the will of his father. Okay, now stop, but don't look. Which of these two? did the will of his father, okay? Was it son number one, now watch this, son number one that said no, but then said, okay. Or was it son number two that said, yes, sir, but just never bothered getting around to do it, okay? Son number one, no, but afterward. Or son number two, yes, sir, but never, okay? So which of these two did the will of the father, Okay, now I'm going to ask for a verbal response. Okay, we're in the exit row on the plane. Now, yeah, I need a verbal response. Okay, so was it son number one or son number two? Talk to me. One. one. What an intelligent group of people you are. <laughs> you all got the right answer. Isn't that amazing? I have never heard anybody, unless they're just being silly on purpose, I've never heard anybody get the wrong answer on this. Nobody. It's what, what, what we would call axiomatic. It, it's a self-evident statement. It doesn't even need to be asked. Matter of fact, watch what happens in verse number 31. Because the Bible says, And they say unto him, The first. So even these unsaved, full of themselves, religious leaders of that day, they got it, not realizing that their answer was their own indictment. Not realizing that their answer was an indictment of themselves. So I wonder if a moment ago when we answered, if we didn't realize that perhaps our answer was an indictment of our own behavior. I want to talk to you for like literally the next 14 minutes on what I'll call the third response. 
Because we saw, watch this, we saw our first response, right? And, and then we saw our second response, okay? Watch the third response. The third response is yours. Because Jesus told a story with two responses because he wanted a third response. The response that Jesus wanted was the response from the people that were listening to the parable. So the response that Jesus wants today is a response from you. Now, how will you respond? Because we each have an obligation to answer God. Now, you're here among a crowd of people, but God does not see a crowd of people. God sees individuals. And you might be wondering, why am I here at this singles retreat? Well, why, why did I come? Why, why am I sitting in this room? I can tell you this, God has a plan and purpose for your life. And you are no less important than anybody else in this room. There's a reason why you're here, and God is looking for your response. Not, not just now, but over the course of the next 24 hours, God wants you to respond to his grace and his word. I can promise you that. So what can we learn about the first response and the second response that will inform the third response? Okay, here it is. N number one, what can we learn from the first response? Well, we got to look back at the statement. Look back at the commandment. So what is the commandment? Son, go work today in my vineyard. So, so on what basis does the Father come to you? On what basis does God, because this is not Skelly. Who, who cares about it? Skelly, I'm, I'm in, I'm out. You might never see me uh, again. Okay? What matters is this is God's word. Yeah. What matters is this is God speaking. Yeah. What matters is God is always with you. That's what matters. Okay? So what does God say to us? God says this. First of all, son, God comes to us on the basis of our relationship. You know how God approaches you tonight? On the basis of your relationship with him. He says, son, now I understand there, there are women in the room as well, but child, that's, that's the point. Son, 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 child. So when God comes to you and demands for you to work in his vineyard, when God wants you to give him your life, does God have prerogative to ask that question? And the simple answer is yes. Yes, he does. God comes to you tonight by virtue of your, his relationship with you. Now, I can go to, when, when my kids were small, I guess I could have gone to any kid at Walmart and said, hey, mow my lawn, you know, cut my grass. And they'd look at me like, Who are, who's the weird guy, right? But I can promise you this, when I told my sons to do it, they, they understood I meant business. Why? Because that's my son. And I have inherent authority in their life as their father. And understand this, if you claim to be a child of God, God has inherent authority in your life. He's your father. And he has prerogative to tell you where, what, how long. He has prerogative. He's the authority. But not only is he authority, watch this, there ought to be affection. Because when God says, son, that's not just like, uh, okay, son, do this. Like, like we live in a dictatorial relationship with God. No, that means relationship. Son. Like we get to serve God. Like God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I mean, God loves you. There's nothing, watch this. There's nothing you can do today. Listen to the statement. There's nothing you can do today to make God love you any more than he already loves you. Yeah. Now think about that statement. There's nothing you can do today to make God love you any more than he already loves you. His love for you is not contingent upon your obedience. But your obedience ought to be fueled by his love. Right? And so, son, it's relationship. Watch this. Go work today in my vineyard. That's responsibility. 
Go work today in my, my vineyard. That's responsibility. You know that God wants you to be responsible? You know that you're, you're, you're not just a widget to God. You're not just a, a tool that God uses, uh, God, but God does want to use you. And you are supposed to be a worker. We are saved on two good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And the scripture is given that we might, uh, we might be uh, prepared unto every good work, the Bible says. And so God does have places for you to go and things for you to do. So when God says, go to work today in my vineyard, I wonder, are you working in God's vineyard? Is your life about anything that God wants you to do? Uh, the vineyard in the Bible was always people, always. A vineyard was the nation of God, the, the nation of Israel. The harvest always represented people. Are you engaged in uh, impacting people's lives for Christ? Go work today in my vineyard. It's responsibility. There's three thoughts about responsibility. First of all, responsibility is a matter of action, not intention. Go work today. And what we learn in the passage is responsibility is not what you intend to do. Wait, I'm going to. And I, I, I can promise you, everybody in this room, I would say 95% of the people in this room, you intend to serve God one day. I mean, that, that's, in your, that's in your big plan. Your big plan is, you know, when I get married and when I have children, I, I want them to be in church. I want to raise my family right. And, you know, I love God. And I, I'm not really on fire for God right now. I'm not really serving God right now. But I'm going to. And that's the biggest lie the devil tells us. To kick the, kick the can down the road, kick the can down the road, there'll be another day to serve him. We don't serve a tomorrow God. Responsibility is a matter of action, not intention. It's a matter of now, not later. Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow. Right? Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The point is, uh, it's, it's now, not later. It's action, not intention. It's stewardship, not ownership. Well, I'll tell you what, Pastor Skelly, what I've always wanted to do with my life, that's the problem. That's the problem we have. It's not your life. Matter of fact, Paul even asked the incredulous question in uh, 1 Corinthians 6. What? Like, like what? Like we'd say, that, are you kidding me? No, you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have a God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. They are God's. And so when God comes to, when the Father comes to this Son, He comes on the basis of relationship. He comes on the basis of responsibility. But watch the third part. There's relationship, there's responsibility, and then there's rebellion. I will not. Now, you might not say that out loud to God, but God has this whole heart thing going on. Like, God knows your motives. God can hear loudly your unsaid words. He knows exactly what you're saying, right? And so watch what the guy said. He didn't say, I cannot. He could have he said that, but he, he knew that would be, that, that, that would be a, an excuse that his dad wouldn't buy. I cannot. No, it wasn't that he couldn't serve his father. It wasn't that he couldn't work in the vineyard. It wasn't that he was disabled. By the way, he didn't say, I know not. Go work today in my vineyard. I don't, I don't know how to work in the vineyard. I don't know how those you know, vineyards work. I don't know how to pick grapes, right? He didn't say that. And can I just say that our problem in serving God is typically not a knowledge problem. Our problem with serving God is typically not an ability problem. No, our problem with serving God is typically a heart problem. That's why David said, 
With my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sit against thee. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Is your heart right with God? Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Where's your heart? How's your heart with God? Because this guy, boy, I tell you what, he had a wrong heart, didn't he? Relationship, responsibility, watch this, rebellion. But here's my favorite part, repentance. Because here's what happened. Watch this, watch this. No, I will not, he said, but afterward. You know, I love the word afterward because afterward gives me hope. Now, if I were God and I told a little old human being to do something and they said, I will not, I would do the lightning bolt. <laughs> I'd do the earthquake thing. I would do the spontaneous combustion. I mean, I would, I would do something horrific. I'd make them eat Taco Bell. I mean, I would just do something horrific to that person. But, you know, we serve, in, we serve a God that, that's long-suffering, don't we? Some of you are thinking, you know what? I've said no to God so many times. He would never want me back. Yes, he would. We serve an afterward God. Afterward gives us hope. Watch this. Afterward is often how we hear. Sometimes we hear a message, and when we hear the message, we're like, I don't like that guy. He's too loud. He said, I don't know. I don't like this. I, I, I did. But afterward, you think about it. You know what? That was right. You meditate on it. That's what this guy did. So afterward gives us hope. Watch this. Afterward's how we hear. But watch this, number three. Afterward is always harder. It's always hard. So you're thinking, oh, we serve an afterward God, then I'll wait till afterward. I mean, yeah, I can do my thing now and I'll serve God later. Yeah, when it's really important, when I get married, when I whatever. No, 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 no. When you serve God later, it's always harder. The way of transgressors is, is hard. So think about it. Here's a guy. No, I don't want to work in the vineyard. So he, he sits for two hours or three hours or four hours. But then afterward, okay, I'll go work. Well, what happens when you go to work in the vineyard four hours late? <laughs> There's a whole lot more work to do and a whole lot less time to do it. And now when you could have been working at 6 o'clock in the morning in the, in the cool of the morning, now it's the, the, the bright, hot sun of the day and you got more work to do. It's always harder to start later. Always harder. So don't make that mistake, first son. Okay, watch this, number two, second son. I'll spend one minute on this. What about the second son's response? It was right. I mean, we ought to say yes, sir, to God. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. That's a great song. That ought to be our answer. Lord, whatever you tell me to do, yes. He said yes. I go, sir. I go, sir. It was right. It was respectful. I go, sir. I go, sir. It was right. It was respectful. But watch this. It was rebellious. And it was the worst kind of rebellion. Because the worst kind of rebellion is a rebellion that cloaks itself in compliance. It's the worst kind of rebellion. It's the rebellion that cloaks itself in the witness protection program. It's the Christian school rebellion. It's the I show up every week at church rebellion. It's the I sing in the choir rebellion. 
It's that, but I have got this thing so masked, everyone thinks I'm. Because that's what actors do. Actors are convincing. And actors, act, you can get so into a movie, you actually get emotionally involved because, and you know in the back of your mind it's an actor, but they're so convincing. They're so convincing. And I'll tell you what, we've created a system where we're so convincing. But you know what God sees? God sees backstage. He sees backstage. And he knows about all the unfollowed through commitments and decisions. And all of it's like blah, blah, blah. It's like singing in Christ alone. In Christ alone, blah, blah, la, la. <laughs> Sometimes that's our life. In Christ alone, la, 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 la. No follow through. The words go away. How very sad. So watch this and I'm done. We saw our first response. We saw a second response. So what's the, third, what's the third response? Ready for this? It's you. The third response is your response. So they got the answer right. But you know what happens at the end of this chapter? They don't change at all. At the end of the chapter, the Bible says, they still want to arrest him and kill him. Think about that. By the end of the chapter, they haven't, they've given the right answer. They, they, oh, they're first. And Jesus said, yeah, that's why the harlots and publicans will go to the kingdom before you will, he said. You talk about a statement. Here's this guy that's memorized the Bible. He's serving on the Sanhedrin Council. He's respected by everybody. He's a spiritual leader. He's a guide. He's a scribe. And now Jesus said, yeah, see that prostitute? See that publican? He's not even allowed in the temple. He'll go to heaven before you. Why? Because they, the prostitutes and harlots that were coming to Christ, they were like the first son. Their lifestyle was saying no to God, no to God, no to God. But afterward, when Jesus preached, they repented and said, okay, I'm going to serve God. And God will take anybody from anywhere. Isn't that good? Okay. But these people, they never said yes to God. They just pretended. They lived in the cloak of compliance and were rebellious the entire time. They were in the witness protection program. Uh, they, 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 nobody knew who they really were, Right? And so what's the third response? The third response is your response. Now, their response was right answer, wrong application. Right answer, wrong application. They got the right answer, like we all do on the Bible test. I got 100. Right answer. Like a word perfect. Right answer. Bible trivia. Right answer. We know. We've grown up. We're enculturated in Christianity. We know what to say, when to say. We know when to come forward. We know what songs to sing. We know all of it. I'm going to tell you something, that is not biblical Christianity. Devoid of heart. Right answer, wrong application. So somebody comes to David one day and says, David, I'm going to tell you a story. Oh, okay. There's this guy, comes to town, needs a place to stay. This rich guy, he's got a lot of sheep. That's how rich he is, a lot of sheep. David's like, I love sheep, you know. <laughs> this guy across the street, he's got sheep too. Oh, I love sheep. This guy called sheep has one sheep, and it's like his pet, which is a little bit of a personal problem. And then we treat animals like, you know, if you have a dog that has a sweater on, you've got a problem. You just do, okay? <laughs> you, need, you need counseling. So the rich guy leverages his power, steals the poor guy's sheep. What do you think about that story, David? Well, guess what David did? David got the right answer. He got the right answer. That guy's wrong. Kill him. Make them pay back fourfold. I'm so mad. 
And Nathan said, that's interesting, David, because I'm talking about you. Yeah. So you got the answer right. Another time, Jesus said to Simon the Pharisee, who was looking down on Jesus, like if Jesus really knew what kind of woman she was, he would never let her touch his feet and wash his feet with her tears. That's ridiculous. She's such a sinner. Jesus said, Simon, let me ask you a question. This guy has a big debt, has a big debt. He gets forgiven. Big debt gets forgiven. This guy has a small debt. He gets forgiven. Which guy loves the forgiver more? Simon says, I guess the guy that was forgiven more. He got the right answer. But he got the wrong application. Master, what must a man do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what do you think? He said, I think you ought to love God and love your neighbor. Jesus said, okay, do that. He goes, well, who's my neighbor? Oh, let me tell you. The guy you hate, that guy. Which one was neighbor, Mr. Lawyer Man? Uh, I suppose the one that showed mercy. Couldn't even say Samaritan. He got the right answer. But he had the wrong application. You know what? I'm 56. I'll be 57 this summer. I'm the same age my dad was when he died. I don't have time to fool around anymore. I love to laugh. I love to joke. I love to have fun. We're going to do that this weekend. But when it comes to the word of God, I'm dead serious. You got one life. Like one life. No uh-ohs, no, no mulligans, no do-overs, no reset button. I mean, you got one chance at this thing. And you have a father who loves you, who says to you, I want your life. I want your gifts. I want your talents. I want your abilities. I want your experiences. I want your time. I want, I want your devotion. I want you. And you've got to respond. Watch this. Not to me. You've got to respond to him. Because he's got a plan for you. I promise you he does. But you've got to respond to him. Not just with a verbal yes but with a yes. Let that be today. Father, thank you for this group. Lord, what a group. What a great and kind attention they've given. Lord, we're looking forward to getting to know each other better. We're looking forward to a time of fellowship, food, all of it. We're going to have a great time tonight. But Lord, I pray that in these moments that we have dedicated and allocated especially for your word. Lord, would you just do a work on the inside of us? And God, in this very first service, would you just help us to respond, not just with a verbal yes, but with a heartfelt desire. Lord, whatever you tell me to do, wherever you tell me to go, whatever you tell me to give up, whatever you want me to change. God, I will say yes. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Not going to have a come forward invitation. Not going to ask you to do anything. We're going to have plenty of time to do all that. I'm just going to ask you right now in your heart to tell the Lord yes. Would you do that right now? Just you in your heart. You might be a worker here. You might be all of us. There's nobody exempt. I'm doing this. Would you just say, Lord, if you make it clear in your word, I am telling you right now, yes. 
you can have, and you put that blank out there, whatever you want in my life. And Father, I pray that that would be the case in these moments, in these hours that you've given us together. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.